tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight only on Disney Plus. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 448, and today we are talking about books being released on January 30th, 2024, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Patricia Elsie Tuttle, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Patricia, hello! Hey Liberty, long time no podcast with each other? Yeah, you got December off. So, I did. Because uh, I, I was thinking about it earlier, I was like, why haven't I talked to Patricia in a really long time? Other than, like, everything is, you know, burning and our lives are very complicated and right. busy. I mean, we kind of talk. We send each other memes back and yeah. forth, I think. That is how you, like, exchange information and show affection, like, in this day and age. Um, we also decided, uh, before we began recording, that this is going to be all the cars today. We all talked cars. about cars for a long time. We're fans of cars. <laughs> At the Old end, cars. we say, like, happy driving. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I love cars. Um, so we were comparing cars and talking about cars and car books and um, mask. I don't know if anyone remembers that cartoon, that Saturday morning cartoon. I loved that cartoon. I used to have the 57 Chevy because um, it was amazing. But, yeah. But I, I think if I had to pick between the two, I would probably pick books. Probably. I do like books better. Yeah. yeah. I'm also uh, better at books and you can get a lot of them for the same amount of money as you get one car for. So it's a deal. True. <laughs> True. So today's corresponding area code, which is 448, is the Florida Panhandle, including Pensacola, Tallahassee, and Panama City. Tallahassee being the capital of Florida. Although when I was little and studying the capitals in fifth grade, I always wanted to call it the capital of Tennessee because it looked very similar. <laughs> so I would do these little mnemonic devices to try and remember. So when I would say Tennessee, I would say not the capital of Florida <laughs> to remember <laughs> that it was Nashville. Um, yeah. I mean, they look the same. Like, who could blame you? And also, like, there's so many big places in Florida, like, Tallahassee is, is always surprising when you hear that's the capital. There's a lot of states that you're like, wait, like that's not the capital of that state. You know, it's it's very interesting. You'd think like Los Angeles would be the capital of California. It's not. Um, nope. We we have Sacramento as our capital. Yeah. Like not even San Francisco as our capital. Like, nope. Well, that's because Sacramento beat San Francisco last night. I watched that game. It was very cool. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but now we're talking about basketball. Another thing I like to talk about. But no, we have to talk about books. Um, but before I do that, I want to get back to basketball for one second and just say hello to my Celtics friend, Jen. 
Uh, we have been friends on Instagram for two years now. She showed me the, the on this day thing. And we've been just like talking about the Celtics on Instagram for like two years now. Because um, I put the call out and said, does anybody want to talk about the Celtics with me? And uh, she answered. So hello, Jen. Um, and yeah, and we're going to talk about books. Uh, before we do that, I want to remind you that this is the 10th year of the Read Harder Challenge. Very exciting. Also, we, this is the last Tuesday in January. How? How did that it's happen like, already? It's like January 65th. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> but yes, this year, 2024, in case you you, you didn't know, uh, is the 10th year of the Read Harder Challenge. You can join us as we make our way through 24 tasks meant to expand our reading horizons and diversify our TBRs. To get book recommendations for each task, you can sign up for the Read Harder newsletter. We'll also keep you informed about other cool reading challenges, readathons, and more across the bookish internet. If you become a paid subscriber, you get even more recommendations, plus community features where you can connect with a community of passionate, like-minded readers in a cozy and supportive quarter of the internet. So go to bookriot.com slash readharder to sign up. That's bookriot.com slash readharder. We have a lot of newsletters at Book Riot. We have a lot of awesome newsletters at Book Riot. And people might be surprised to, to know that we all pretty much subscribe to all of them and open them. And then, uh, like this past week, buy things from them. Uh, oh I got gosh. suckered in by the Book Riot bookish items newsletter. Uh, they had all these stickers from like library things. It was like a library stamp and the, and the little like library stool, like the little, that looks like a thimble, like an upside down thimble, like a sticker of it that was all sparkly. I was like, how can I not get that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I went and, and I followed the link for that. And I, I was like, I'm not gonna buy it right now. I'm just gonna mark it as favorite. And maybe it'll show up on my birthday. I don't know. But then I saw you posted. You're like, look at my new stickers. And I'm like, I should have gotten it. <laughs> well, it's not too late. Uh, but before it is too late, uh, we're going to hear from a sponsor. All right. I could have kept talking about stickers. This is why I think that you and I are probably the same person, like on a different timeline or, you know. Just at least on opposite sides of the country. Or that, maybe just in a different true. time zone. Like, yeah, like you're true. the Patricia of the Eastern time zone. I'm the Liberty of Pacific yeah. time. That makes sense. <laughs> All right. So uh, we are talking about releases coming out January 30th. And I'm going to kick it off with one that I discovered this morning. I read in May of 2023. So if the details are a little fuzzy... I'm very sorry, but I love this book so much. It is Interesting Facts About Space by Emily Austin. This is the new novel from the author of one of my favorite recent books, Everyone in This Room Will Someday Be Dead. That book is so funny and so good, and this one is as well. It's about a young woman named Enid. Enid has a lot of anxiety, and we know from the beginning, that she experienced something traumatic when she was young. We don't know what it is, but she's saying that she did something bad. Like, so we're thinking, you know, like, we don't know what it is, though. So Enid is a grown-up now. She loves true crime podcasts and learning about space. 
She reads everything that she can about space. She loves all these interesting facts that that she learns. Um, she's not thrilled with social interaction, other people, or serious relationships. She hooks up with people that she meets on an app, um, both uh, single people and couples. And she's just like, don't get involved. Don't get attached. Um, she doesn't need the drama. And Enid's irrational fear is bald men. She doesn't know why she's afraid of them, but that is why it is called an irrational fear. Enid grew up with her mother. She was her father's other family. Uh, she doesn't really know her dad. He was married. He had daughters. Um, and he met her mother, but you know they were never together. Um, and she's never met her sisters. And at the beginning of the book, uh, we know that Enid's father has died. And her sisters, her half-sisters, reach out to her and invite her to the funeral. And she doesn't think she should go, but she decides to. But she's really, really worried. She's worried that they'll hate her um, because she thinks that she's a bad person. They, she's worried that they won't like her because of what transpired between um, their father and her mother. Um, she has also begun to worry that someone has been going in her apartment while she's not home. And she's even more worried that it might be a bald man. So Enid is having a lot of feelings and worries right now. She's trying to figure out her place in the world She's trying to figure out how to be someone her sisters will like. She doesn't know how to feel about her dad. She doesn't really know who she is. And she doesn't know what to do about the apartment problem. It, but it's just Austin writes these heartbreaking stories, which are also so, so funny, which are like the best kind. Like, really, it's just the best kind. The characters always seem so real. Uh, she has a, a, a first novel, which I read, which was also fantastic, called Oh, Honey. Um, this is the third one that I've read from her. And she has a book of poems coming out in a few months called uh, Gay Girl Prayers, which I'm excited about. But this, like her books, when done right, we need more books like this. Like, or we need more people to do books right like this. Like, do these characters who have anxiety or depression or trauma who haven't gotten their lives together you know, but, you know, they, they're they realistic. You know, they have unresolved childhood trauma. They have anxiety. They make social missteps. Um, but you still love them and you root for them. And, you know, they're just so great. Um, there are a lot, a lot of content warnings for this because several of them are because Enid talks to her friend about the true crime cases that she listens to. So... There's just all the stuff like gore and murder and cannibalism and, and the death of children and descriptions of, of sexual assault and kidnapping and torture, all mentioned in the context of the true crime podcasts. But there is also um, substance use, uh, infidelity, bullying, gaslighting, disordered eating, homophobia, transphobia, uh, anxiety, depression, self-harm, discussion of suicide. A loss of a loved one, ableism, sexism, and body shaming. So it's a lot. Like it's it's sad, but it's so also uplifting, and you're just rooting for Enid the whole time. And it's also so very funny. 
I loved it so much. And I feel like I've mentioned this book on the podcast, maybe like on all the backlist. Um, but when I read it that night, my husband and I were watching Jeopardy and I don't know anything about outer space, but there was a question and I answered it. And my husband was like, how the heck did you know that? And I said, I read it in a book today. Like I actually learned a fact about space from this book, Interesting Facts About Space by Emily Austin. For my first pick, my first pick of the year, it is Come Together, The Science and Art of Creating Lasting Sexual Connection by Emily Nagoski, PhD. I am a little backstory. I'm over a decade past the time when I was a sex educator, and I was definitely to the point of information overload after being an educator for years. But this being said, it means I'm also incredibly picky about the sex and intimacy information that I trust. And Emily Nagoski's work is definitely work I can get behind. Her work is science-based, yay, and she writes and educates in a way that is both compassionate and accessible. Her book, Come As You Are, offers such an excellent framework for looking at the sexuality of cisgender women. The thing is, while she was writing Come As You Are, and then publicizing it, and going on tour, and giving talks, her sex life with her spouse was practically non-existent. She was writing a lot about sex, and talking a lot about sex, and actually having very little of it. Note, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having little or no sex if that's what you like, but in Nagoski's case, she actually wanted to be intimate with her partner, but it just wasn't happening much. And this is a position that a lot of folks in long-term relationships can find themselves in, both straight and queer. So Emily Nagoski did what she does, and she took a look at the existing literature and advice, and it all ranged from not helpful to flat out incorrect. A lot of the advice out there is about spicing things up and novelty and variety. And when it comes to a sustainable, lasting sexual connection, this advice misses the mark. Through this book, Nagoski takes us on a journey of exploring first the question, is having sex something important to the reader and their long-term partner or partners or spouse? Because it's not a necessity. No one will die if they don't have sex with another person. It's not like food or water or sleep. It is or should be something that people do because they want to. Then she gets to her central recommendation, which is to center pleasure. The rest of this book explores how to do that, including how to create a context with your partner where pleasure is possible, how to navigate your internal emotional floor plan so that pleasure is more accessible and more. She recognizes that we don't live in a vacuum, so she also writes about all the external factors that get in the way of cultivating and experiencing pleasure, like gender norms and expectations, heteronormativity, and traumatic experiences. 
I love how this book is rooted in research and conversations with real people. It makes it more accessible and realistic and relatable. If you are in a long-term relationship, then this book might be helpful to you. It's Come Together, The Science and Art of Creating Lasting Sexual Connection by Emily Nagoski, PhD. All right. I'm going to change it up just Completely opposite different direction. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> My next pick is called Wander in the Dark by Jumata Emil. Emil wrote The Black Queen, which we talked about on the podcast last year, an amazing YA novel. This is another amazing YA novel that talks to teenagers like they're adults. I really appreciated this book. I wish I had read it when I was a teenager. It's It's like... Very realistic and grown-up sounding, but, like, not quite, because it's YA. Um, it's kind of Christopher Pike-ish. I always found his books to be pretty grown-up, you know, like, kids are being murdered and kidnapped, and it was it was wild. Those books are wild. Um, and so this is, like, a 21st century Christopher Pike book, kind of. Uh, but I think it's even better. Um it's a very well done story about two brothers. There's Amir, who lives with his mother in a small house in an economically challenged part of town. And there's his half brother, Marcel. Marcel and Amir share a father. His fa- their father cheated on Amir's mom, and they ended up getting divorced, and he married the other woman. And they had Marcel. So Amir is 16, and Marcel is a about to be 16 at the very beginning of this book. Um, And also their father, after leaving Amir's mother, became incredibly rich. He became a celebrity chef. He has TV shows. So Marcel has always known wealth and luxury while Amir and his mother have scraped by. Amir used to visit with his father. He would visit every weekend uh, and he and Marcel kind of got along, even though Marcel's mother was always mean to him. She was never nice. She always looked down her nose at him because they didn't have money. And then something happened and Amir stopped going to his father's house and he doesn't talk to Marcel anymore. He won't talk to Marcel anymore. It's been four years now. Uh, And Amir even goes to the very expensive private school that Marcel goes to now because he got in trouble and his mother called his father and asked him to pay for him to go to Marcel's school to get him away from this element that, you know, she's worried about. So it's four years later after they stopped talking. Uh, Amir is 16 and Marcel's turning 16. He's throwing a huge party at their very, 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 very big house. And Amir was not invited or he probably was invited, but he doesn't, you know, answer Marcel's calls. But then a very pretty girl uh, from school named Chloe invites Amir to the party. She wants to see him. So he's like, yes, I'm going to go because this very cute girl wants to see me. Like, even though he's mad at Marcel, but he thinks like, hey, the house is so big. I can probably avoid him the whole time. Of course, everyone sees Chloe and Amir at the party together because everybody gossips and they're like, ooh, what are those two doing together? Uh, And it's an important thing to remember because at the end of the night or halfway through the party when they leave, Amir gives Chloe a ride home uh, and stays over. And when he wakes up in the morning, she's been murdered. 
She has no idea what happened. He didn't hear anything. He knows he didn't do it. But here is this beautiful white girl in a very big house. And he is this black boy. And he thinks, like, I know how this is going to turn out. So he panics and he runs and he goes home. Uh, but because everybody saw them together the night before, everyone says she left with, when they find her, you know, everyone says she left with a mirror and the police show up at his house almost immediately that morning. And they basically stop looking for Chloe's killer, even though Amir says that he's innocent because they're like, oh yeah, it must've been this kid. Um, you know, this poor kid who was at the home of, of a rich girl, she was probably trying to rob her. So Amir's father gets him the best lawyer. Uh, even though it's not entirely certain if he believes Amir when he says he didn't do it. Marcel 100% believes him. He knows that Amir would never do that. And he's determined to find out who is really responsible. Chloe was Marcel's best friend. She was the first person that he confided in when he was ready to start telling people that he's gay. Uh, and now he's been ostracized by her family because they think that his brother killed her. And so now he can't even like grieve his friend, his friend with the people that, you know, he knew and loved and spent all this time around because of what happened, even though he tells them Amir did not do it. It's a really compelling mystery that does not pull any punches. It covers divorced families, privilege, celebrity, racism, um, you know, injustice. I, I have to tell you, though, I did almost stop reading this. Because when I mentioned that something happened between them four years earlier, that was bad. I just want you to know that it does involve their the pet dog at his father's house and the dog does die. Uh, and I was like, oh, I don't, I can't. Um, but someone convinced me that, I mean, because it was so good. Someone convinced me that, you know, it's like real life. People make stupid mistakes. Kids do stupid things. Um, they don't think about their actions. Um, and it kind of shows, you know, like how this character changed and grew. I'm not going to tell you who did it. Um, I'm still mad about the dog. Don't get me wrong. But this book was so good that I kept going. Um, and it is a really great, well-done YA mystery. I do want to give content warnings for underage drinking and drug use, violence, homophobia and homophobic slurs, gore, animal cruelty and death, partner abuse, infidelity, loss of a loved one, and grief. This is Wander in the Dark by Jumata Emil. I also have a YA-focused book for my next pick. It is Poemhood, Our Black Revival, History, Folklore, and the Black Experience, a young adult poetry anthology edited by Amber McBride, Erica Martin, and Taylor Bias. I love the premise of this poetry anthology, and it definitely delivers. Sometimes I'll read a collection or anthology of poetry or even a single poem, and it's so incredibly unrelatable to me as a Black person who lives in a city. And I think this was also my primary experience of poetry when I was a young adult. This anthology feels like something that younger me would have appreciated because current me definitely does. 
It not only includes poems that are relevant to the Black experience, as mentioned in the title, but after each poem, it has a small paragraph of explanation, which makes it more accessible to a reader who maybe isn't experienced with reading a lot of poetry. As it mentions in the introduction, this anthology is really a celebration of Black poetry, folklore, and history, and I love the range and variety of poems included. While poems about Black pain and Black trauma are deeply important, I appreciate that there are more than a few poems that focus on Black joy and even just Black existence. We're here, we exist, we're not a monolith, and we move through the world in myriad ways. This book also feels like a direct response to the types of poetry that are often taught in schools and the gatekeeping between who gets to be called the title of poet versus who does not. And in the introduction, it also mentions like sometimes there are white musicians who get called poets because of the lyrics they write, and yet Black musicians aren't always offered that same kind of title. I also like that the poetry is not only contemporary, and so there are new poems, and there are poems from over half a century ago. So it's not only we're here, but also we have been here. And more than that, we are here today because our ancestors survived being brought here. Like I said, there's a wide range of the types of poems in this book. I rarely talk about problems with books, but I do have a problem with this one, which is I want it to be longer. I want more. I want volumes two through a hundred of this book because I enjoyed it so much. It's Poemhood, Our Black Revival, History, Folklore, and the Black Experience, a young adult poetry anthology edited by Amber McBride, Erica Martin, and Taylor Bias. You tricked us. I thought you were going to say something like, they did something terrible to the dog. No, I just want more. I just want more of this book. I want it to keep going. Yeah. Well, maybe you'll get your wish. Maybe (laughs) in an alternate universe, you have all those volumes already. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. We've been saying a lot of words about books. We're going to have to speed it up here for these these last ones. Uh, So... Those are books that we have read and loved. Now we're going to talk about a few books that we are excited about that we haven't necessarily read. I'm going to kick it off with The House of Last Resort by Christopher Golden. Uh, I do want to say up front that Christopher Golden is a friend of mine, but if you knew Christopher Golden, he would also be your friend because he's just the nicest man. Um, This one is about an American couple named Kate and Tommy. They moved to a town in Italy where Tommy's family came from. They now all live in America. They're excited. They're living in Italy. They're young. They're working from home and they find the most amazing house to buy. Like they're just, everything is going their way. Except when they mention to Tommy's grandmother, which house in the town they bought, she flips out. Uh, She says it's a bad place. They're like, eh, she's getting senile and paranoid. But they do notice that weird things are happening in the house. Like, doors that were locked are suddenly open. Uh, There are rooms that they swear weren't there before. 
that appear. And then they learn the history of the house, which is called the House of Last Resort by the townspeople. And not in a nice way. I don't know how that could be nice, but it's not in a nice way. Um, and they find out that it was owned for many years by the church. And the stories about the things that used to happen there will make your hair stand on end. So can Kate and Tommy get out of the house now before the house decides that they have to stay forever? Christopher Golden is just so solid. Like every book he puts out is a great time. It's a lot of fun. It's creepy. This one is The House of Last Resort by Christopher Golden. This book is out today. Uh, it's Be a Revolution, How Everyday People Are Fighting Oppression and Changing the World and How You Can Too by Ijeoma Oluwo. Like I said, it's out today, but I haven't read it yet. Honestly, I've been waiting for this one to come out on audiobook because I like my nonfiction on audio. So... Ijeoma Oluo is the number one New York Times bestselling author of So You Want to Talk About Race and Mediocre, The Dangerous Legacy of White Male America. Both of these books explore the underlying white supremacy of the systems we have in place in the U.S., and they are hard conversations to have from places of trauma, of hurt, and of terror. Be a Revolution is definitely another heavy read in a similar vein. It also explores white supremacy in some of our most prevalent systems. After the intro and author's note, it jumps right into a chapter called Punishment, Accountability, and Abolition. Just looking at the table of contents takes the air out of me, and I know she's not going to pull any punches. Oluo also dives into gender justice and bodily autonomy, labor and business, environmental justice, education, and arts. This book promises so much more than just look at all these horrors montage. Oluo recognizes that feeling bad about racism is not the same as actually doing something about racism. She intends to move us from having conversations about structural change to actually taking action in positively changing the structures that harm us all. The author shares some of the many ways people are working at this change and offers ideas on how to join folks doing the work and how to bring this kind of work and momentum to your own communities. I am incredibly excited to read this transformative book. It's Be a Revolution, How Everyday People Are Fighting Oppression and Changing the World and How You Can Too by Ijeoma Oluo. Okay, and now we are going to hear from another sponsor. All right, my last book for today is A Quantum Love Story by Mike Chen. Mike Chen is great. He writes all kinds of novels. There's one about aliens, one about vampires, one about superheroes. There's time travel. He's written Star Wars books. Uh, he wrote We Could Be Heroes, which is my favorite, about the support group for people with memory loss. And one of the people there who is a good hero discovers that another person in the group is the bad guy that she's been hunting. Uh, but then they become buddies. They team up. It's great. This one is about a time loop, and I love a time loop story. Monday is the best X-Files episode that there is. I, I will fight anybody who says differently. And and that's not true at all. I, I won't fight you. You can have your opinion. It's fine. Um, but it is the best. Uh, this book is about a neuroscientist named Mariana who meets a man named Carter. 
there's some sparks there. And also Carter seems to know everything about her. And he tells her that's because they're stuck in a time loop. And she starts to believe him as their relationship goes on. They become close, but the time loop happens every four days. And every time it happens, Carter loses a little more of his memories. Can they figure out how to stay together and stop the time loop? He promises to be a great time. Haha, <laughs> time loop. It's a quantum love story by Mike Chen. For my last pick, I have Abolition, Politics, Practices, Promises, Volume 1 by Angela Y. Davis. Another hard book, because the horrors won't go away from us simply ignoring them. The least we can do is educate ourselves. I have not yet read this one. And it's another one I'm saving for audiobook. But honestly, I might also get a physical copy as well because I feel like I'm going to need to hold this one in my hands. Angela Y. Davis has been fighting the fights for over 50 years and has been at the forefront of the abolition movement and, of course, the feminist movement. She has rallied time and time again against state violence and oppression and written extensively on these topics. This book is volume one of a two-volume series, and it is an essential collection of some of her writing, both essays and speeches. The pieces included span decades, and you really get to see how her thinking and writing grows and evolves over time, while also seeing the strong through line of her commitment to liberation. This book also tries to be accessible to a wide range of audiences, both those well-read in abolition studies and feminism, as well as those who are new and curious. It's Abolition, Politics, Practices, Promises, Volume 1 by Angela Y. Davis. Okay, and now it's time for some paperback releases. We're going to do this little... Very fast lightning round. Um, <laughs> we're going to kick it off with The Survivalists by Kashana Kali. It's about a young Black lawyer who has big ambitions, but whose ambitions get derailed when she moves in with her boyfriend and his roommates, who turn out to be doomsday preppers. Monstrulio, which you have heard me mention many, many times on this show, by Gerardo Samano Cordova about a mother who does something rash when her son dies. She removes a small piece of him and puts it in a jar. And what happens when that piece starts to move and grow? Skin Folk, a memoir by Matthew Pratt Guttrell. This is a, a memoir about growing up in New Jersey in the 1970s in a mixed race family. Everybody Knows by Jordan Harper, one of my favorite books of last year, about a Hollywood fixer who makes bad things go away for the rich and famous. Uh, and when her boss is murdered before he can tell her the secret he needs to tell her, she decides she's had quite enough of being a bad guy and she wants to be a good person and she's going to figure out what happened to him and what is going on. Greek Lessons by Han Kang, translated by Deborah Smith and E. Yawon. This is from the author of The Vegetarian. It's about two lost souls who find each other over Greek lessons. Pomegranate by Helen Elaine Lee, about a young Black woman who is looking to stay clean and get her children back after being released from prison. Cleopatra and Frankenstein by Coco Malores, 
about a young artist from England who impulsively marries a man for a green card so she can stay in New York City and how the marriage changes both their lives. And Night Wherever We Go by Tracy Rose Payton. This is an amazing book. It's very, very heavy subject. It's historical fiction about six enslaved women on a Texas plantation who decide to stand together to try and stop from being used to birth children for the plantation owner to sell. Like I said, very heavy, very good. These are all out in paperback now. So, Patricia, what are you going to read next? First, I want to say monstrelio is one of the most fun words I have heard all year so far. It's really fun to say. It is. So, right now, I am about halfway through Inciting Joy, Essays by Ross Gay. And then I'm going to dig into... Queen Bee, the story of Anne Boleyn, Witch Queen by Juno Dawson, which is a prequel to the Her Majesty's Royal Coven books, and that is out July 23rd. What about you, Liberty? What are you reading next? Well, first I want to ask you a question, because very often, you know, books get published, and then they become very popular, or for whatever reason, you know, the author decides they're going to write a story in the series that takes place before the events that happened in the prior books. And if you come across a series that is already out and that happens, like, would you read them out of order? Like, would you read the, like the prequel first or would you read them in the order that they were published? I think I would, as I'm doing with this, because like the third in the trilogy is not out yet. I think I would read them in the order they are published because I think I like to think there's intention behind there, but I don't know. I haven't written any books yet. Um, so I, I think I want to read them in order published because also then other people I might talk to, I don't know, or I might read along with other people. I don't know. What about you? I'm just curious because, you know, we don't talk about reading things often, like how we do it and when. Um, I, I definitely, I'm always in order of publication. Yeah. Like, like it makes my eye twitch when people are like, oh, I, I read the first two books in the Lonesome Dove series and now I'm reading Lonesome Dove. And I'm like, uh, 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 uh. that one came out first. <laughs> Like, yeah, I don't okay. care. You can read them in whatever order you want. You can read like one page from each book, you know, at a time. Like, it's fine. But, you know, for me, I, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> yeah. Again, add this to the list of Liberty is the Patricia of the East Coast, Patricia is the <laughs> Liberty of the West Coast. So, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, I was all set to tell you that after we finished recording, I was going to start A Sorceress Comes to Call by T. Kingfisher, which comes out in August. Very excited. Love T. Kingfisher. Thornhedge, Hollow Places, House of Good Bones, What Moves the Dead, The Twisted Ones. My favorite of hers, Nettle and Bone. Um, And this is a dark retelling of The Goose Girl, right? Sounds amazing, but I am just, this is a galley brag to end all galley brags. Uh, Right before we started talking, I got a copy of my favorite thing is Monsters Book Two by Emil Ferris, which I I, I can't even believe it's real. I'm so <laughs> excited. I sent the the publicist an email 
uh, back, it was just like a bunch of like screeching howler monkey word things. I don't even know. Um, yeah, because I mean, my favorite thing is Monsters is like the best graphic novel I've ever read. Uh, it's came out over 10 years ago. You know, we've all been highly anticipating this book. I didn't even think that they were doing galleys because everyone is waiting for this book. Um, and yet here it is. So galley brag. Sorry. Awesome. I love this for you. Thank you. I'm very excited. <laughs> um, and that is it for today. We talked about books. I love books. You can visit bookriot.com slash readharder to sign up for the Read Harder Challenge newsletter. That's bookriot.com slash readharder. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Caitlin Brame. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Where can people find you online, Patricia? Mostly Instagram under the info file, as in the lover of information. All right. And I mostly hang out on Instagram as well at Franzen Comes Alive, which is just like with every year that passes, like a less clever nickname because no one knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but it's fine. Uh, if you would like to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcast and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, I have to go read that new book. So we don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.